Can you guys hear me? Okay. So I'm going yeah. to. Sh okay, great. Good luck. David, good luck. Yuda, good luck. Blake, good luck. Beryl, good luck. Menachem Mendel. I want to share with you a story, a few stories, about a chassidin. Um, let me. Oh, there he goes. Uh, there's a chassid in Argentina, actually, he's now living in Israel, he's from Argentina, named Shmuel David Salfo. He's, he's a lawyer, and he had a very, um, very interesting uh, instructions and advice that I gave him on various occasions. I'm going to share with you a few events in uh, in his life and the Rebbe's involvement. Mr. Salfoy, uh, his family uh, originally was a Lubavitch family back in Russia. His grandfather was a chassid of the Rebbe Rashab, and um, that's actually the um, who this Shmuldov is named after. And uh, a few years after uh, World War One. His grandfather and family moved to Argentina because there was a, uh, pro a program that Baron Hirsch, a certain Baron named Baron Hirsch, uh, began to bring Jews from Europe to Argentina, and he gave them real estate, and that's how um, this Mr. Salfoy's mother arrived in Argentina, and. He's, he says, from the moment that I was a child, I always knew that we had a connection with Rabbi Baumgarten, who was Rabbi's first emissary to Argentina, because he would always come to our house and give us matzah and give us a little And through Rabbi Baumgarten, we had a connection with Rabbi as well. Really, there was because my grandfather uh, was a chas that Rabbi Rashab, so because of that, our family naturally wanted to, as soon as Rabbi Baumgarten was sent by the Rabbi to Argentina, we naturally wanted to have a connection with him. And although we lived in Rosario, which is far away from Buenos Aires, but because of our connection, he would travel often to us, and uh, that's how our our uh, connection began. So Mr. Salfoy was married, and they visited doctors shortly after their marriage, and the doctors told them immediately that they will never have any children. Rabbi Baumgarten uh, the parents gave him a letter, please go to the Rebbe and ask for a bracha for us, we want a bracha for children. And he went after Simchas uh, he traveled to the Rebbe, and he delivered to the Rebbe this letter, and in, he's in the Rebbe's room, here's a letter from this, this couple, the Salfoy couple, the family, they want the bracha for children because the doctors say they will never have any children. So the Rebbe responded that... Uh, She's already pregnant. <laughs> they didn't know, but the Rebbe knew. She was already pregnant, and, the Rebbe, and, they, and they were asking, and the doctor said she could never have children, but the Rebbe said she's already pregnant. That's story number one. Mr. Salfoy always wanted to move from Argentina to Israel. And he wrote to the Rebbe about this many times, and the reason he wanted to move to Israel was because he, he felt in Rosario there was no appropriate uh, place to teach his children. So... At that time, Rabbi Baumgarten had passed away already, and Rabbi Tzvi Greenblatt was currently the Rebbe's emissary to Argentina, the the uh, chief emissary there. Uh, he delivered to them the Rebbe's response. They asked the Rebbe, "Want to move to Israel?" Because 
there's no appropriate way to educate our children here. What should we do? We want to move to Israel. Rebbe said that if there's a problem with educating your children, you could do something about it. You could, you, Mr. Salfoy, you could do something about it. So his friends, his Lubavitch friend said to him that the Rebbe is empowering you to do something directly. You have to get involved with education. The community that he lived in was sort of like a community within a community. There, there is a, there's a large industry of, of um, meat in Rosario, and still there still is, and a lot of slaughterhouses. And so there's, there's a, a certain Jewish community like evolved as a result of the many shachtim, many ritual slaughterers who moved there with their families. They had a little, um, a little community there. And they made a shul and a mikvah and a little afternoon school. And besides that, there was also in the city a, a Bialik school. And Bialik is not usually an Orthodox school, neither was this one. And uh, he, um, because Rebbe told him that he should get involved in education, he, had to, he asked himself, what could I do? He was a lawyer. But Rebbe said he should get involved in education, so he, he uh, went over to the principal in, the, in this Bialik school, and he said, can I be a teacher? And she was surprised because he was a respected lawyer in town, and yet he wants to become a teacher. And so he started working both as a lawyer and as a teacher. And uh, he was given several classes in the, uh, in the high school, and he, would, he taught them Yiddishkeit, taught them Judaism. And he noticed, as soon as he became involved in education, his business grew exponentially. And he had a lot of success both teaching and also with his own education of his own children. He saw a real success. He did what the Rebbe asked him to do, and he saw that it really worked for his family. The children in his class would come to him on Shabbos, and they would come to him on Yantiv. They, they, they would put on film with him. They would, he actually arranged... A minion in um, besides the um, uh, the the, uh, the minion of the of the other community, he he arranged a minion with um, the students themselves in the Bialik school. They made their own minion, and these were children who had no uh, you know no knowledge of Yiddishkeit, and yet they they were able they they were inspired because of this man, Mister Mister to make a minion. So he was very successful with them, and uh, he still wanted to really move to Israel. The, Rebbe, the Rebbe's instruction kept him there for many years, and every time he asked the Rebbe if he should move to Israel, the Rebbe kept him telling him it's not yet time. In 1980, he suddenly felt this is the time. He suddenly had this feeling in his soul, it's the time. And he didn't just feel that way, he sold some of his property, and uh, he sent it some 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 of his uh, uh, belongings he sent on a ship to Israel. Like, I'm already going, and he wanted to ask. And then when he came to New York for Yud Shvat, which was 1980, was the Rebbe's uh, as anniversary of this uh, the Rebbe's 30th year of leading Jewish people. So he and his wife and and uh, two daughters uh, came to visit the Rebbe, and. Uh, and they and, and they, he wrote to them that I've already sent my stuff to Israel, and I want to know if we should actually move there. If there, if it's not a good idea, I'll bring it right back. 
And the Rebbe began the audience, he almost fainted. He, he was, he's a lawyer, and, and every word that he says, he's, he measures, and he's very careful, but just being in the Rebbe's presence, you know, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. And the Rebbe begins the audience with, the time, ha- it's too early. He's like, too early, and he's thinking like the Rebbe's telling him he shouldn't move to Israel, and he sent his stuff to Israel. It's too early. And he's like, and the Rebbe stopped, and the Rebbe continued to tell you what you should do in Israel. In other words, whether you should work in education, whether you should work as a lawyer, it's too early to tell you what to do in Israel. And then he, he's able to breathe. And uh, Nebbe agreed, since he already made that decision, Nebbe agreed to allow him to go to, to Israel. But Nebbe didn't yet tell him what his mission, what his what his focus should be as he, when he got to Israel. And then Nebbe started asking him about different people in Argentina. Now, the Rebbe... He said, Mr. Salfoy said that he couldn't remember all the names and all the places that the Rebbe was, was the Rebbe knew more than he did about people in his neighborhood and their, their names and where they lived. And he was, he was having a hard time following all the things that Rebbe had said. But anyways, he gave to the Rebbe what he was able to, to uh, share. And uh, he left with the bracha to move to Israel. And the Rebbe told him that, uh, also asked him about his minion that he had started, someone taking care of it. Uh, in general, the Rebbe generally tells people who want to move to a new place to make sure that what they've already started should should continue. They, that they shouldn't leave what their responsibilities without um, anyone taking care of them. Anyway, so he he came back again to the Rebbe in 1981, and he had several audiences then as well. And uh, he got instructions from the Rebbe about, move, about what he should do in Israel. Um, the Rebbe told him he should move to Bnei Brak. And in Bnei Brak, he should work as a lawyer. So he had to to pass an exam to get a license to be a lawyer in Israel. And he worked for a meat company in Israel. Um, his, in 1991, he, he came with two of his daughters. He had then already four children with him to the Rebbe. And you have to understand, this is, that 1991, the Rebbe was giving out dollars to thousands of people for tzedakah. He comes by with his wife. You know, you only buy the Rebbe for a quarter of a second. Brachavatzlacha, and that's it. That's the amount of time you have with the Rebbe. The time it takes to say Brachavatzlacha. He comes by. He walks past the Rebbe with his wife, with with his two daughters, and and his wife. And then the Rebbe calls him back. The Rebbe says, "You have two other children in Israel. In other words, you should have asked for them for a bra- for a bracha as well." Then we gave two other dollars for his two other children that were in Israel. That you know, the Rebbe sees him in a quarter of a second. There's two children you have in Israel. The Rebbe is more conscious of his children than he was. You know, he he forgot to ask for brach for them. Like, you have two children in Israel. Okay, so he's working as a um, as a lawyer, and he he went back and forth to Argentina several times. Um. Because he wanted also to sell some property, some real estate he had in Israel, in Argentina, but he saw that the market wasn't really doing so well, and he wasn't sure if it was the right time to sell the property. And Rebbe said to him, he asked the Rebbe, as he asked the Rebbe about everything, and the Rebbe said to him that since Argentina is 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 um, not very stable, uh, you should wait. And uh, he didn't have any money. He nearly needed to sell that property to to to, to continue to to um, to pay for his 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 uh, expenses, but the Rebbe told him to wait, and he waited, and it was Baruch Hashem because he listened to the Rebbe. He was able to sell his property there with great profit.
two more stories about this man, Mr. Southboy. He had a, this is an incredible story. Um, he has a friend who had a daughter who was born with a disease. And his friend, his close friend, and he wanted to ask the Rebbe for bracha for his friend. And he wasn't sure if he should mention to the Rebbe that this person doesn't keep anything in Judaism at all. Is that relevant to his question? He wasn't sure how to, you know, what to, how, how to present this to the Rebbe. And he just finally decided he's not going to say anything. He's just going to tell the Rebbe this person has a daughter and she has this disease and he wants a bracha for, 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 this, for his friend's daughter. He sent a fax to the Rebbe and they responded immediately. Regarding your fax on the 20th of Adar for this particular person, the Torah says, if you will keep my mitzvahs, Hashem says, I will give you rain in its season. So Rebbe wrote, if you Rebbe didn't quote the whole verse, I said, if you'll keep my mitzvahs and I will give, etc., all the needs of a human being. In other words, Hashem places a contingency of physical blessings to keeping God's commandments. So, so the Rebbe is saying about this guy's friend, I was telling him, Hashem says, if you'll keep my mitzvahs, Hashem says, then you will have your needs. So he was shocked because he didn't tell the Rebbe who this guy was, and the Rebbe somehow knew. This guy wasn't religious at all. And I was telling him that he should start keeping mitzvahs of a bracha for his daughter. And they concluded that he will pray for this person at the resting place of the previous Rebbe. So Mr. Salfoy had no choice. Rebbe told him what, what he had. He gave him marching orders very clearly. You've got to talk to this guy about his Judaism. This will help his daughter. And he did. And he went with his wife and they brought them Shabbos candle sticks and uh, Baruch Hashem. They started... One mitzvah leads to another. He started keeping Yiddishkeit seriously, and they saw exponential and it's a dramatic change. Baruch Hashem, their daughter, the, do- the doctors had no expectation at all that their daughter could recover, and she, Baruch Hashem, recovered significantly, far beyond what the doctors expected her to. And he and his wife uh, became more observant, and together with this, as their observance grew, they saw, they saw directly how uh, this helped their daughter. Last story. So, as I mentioned before, he, he, he worked as a lawyer for a company that brought meat from different countries in the world to Israel. The original um, uh, arrangement with the Israeli government was that the government maintains the rights of the sale of the meat in Israel, and the companies that, that bring the company that brings the meat to Israel bring the, the meat to the, the, the government to sell. The laws changed, and the Israeli government allowed various um, proprietors to sell meat in Israel of the, this of the kind of meat that he was selling. And when this started, there was a Levyasin kind of guy. Levyasin, and when I mean Levyasin, I mean like a, a huge company, uh, a guy representing this huge company came over to him and said to him, I want to become a partner with you. I want to get involved in your, in your business. I want to share in your business. So he's a kind of guy, a kind of company, that's Levyasan. I say Levyasan means Levyasan is a huge fish. It's a kind of company that swallows up little little fish. So he was afraid that he's going to lose his whole business by bringing this guy in. He's going. To, it's going to uh, this guy's. But the guy's offering him to become a partner with him. So he wasn't sure what to do, and he had many reasons why he thought it wasn't a good idea. And he wrote them all to the Rebbe, and uh, and he wrote to the Rebbe that. 
his, his friends were telling him, listen, you're right, you have a point, this guy may swallow us up. On the other hand, he's offering this to you, and he, he's one of the big people in bringing meat to Israel, so you should consider. So he wrote to the Rebbe, he asked the Rebbe for advice, he wrote to the Rebbe how, how, how all of hesitation, why he didn't want to get into this, and he sent the facts to the Rebbe. The next morning, as soon as he came back from, from Shachris, he hears that an answer has arrived from the Rebbe. Rabbi Groner calls him and tells him, the Rebbe says, you must do the deal. You must accept this guy's offer. Now, he was certain that Rabbi Groner must have not understood this. He called Rabbi Groner, and Rabbi Groner's like, I don't know what your problem is. I told you, I told you clearly, very clearly what the Rebbe had said. The Rebbe said, you have to do this deal. So, Baruch Hashem, he listened to the Rebbe. He went into this business, he went to the partnership with this Leviathan kind of guy. And uh, he said that everyone else who was involved in bringing meat to Israel, all those other companies, are all extinct. And his, all those other smaller companies are all not there anymore. And his company's still there because he, uh, because he paid attention and he listened to the Rebbe. Those are the stories I wanted to share. And uh, bottom line is, is that uh, you see in these stories that the Rebbe was able to be more conscious of this guy and his and his financial welfare and his medical welfare and, and his family and everything that's going on in his life in a very vivid way, the ways beyond that he knew about himself. And that his blessings were beyond logic and reason, beyond total miraculous. So in a similar way today as well, we have to realize that uh, the Rebbe never was limited to time and space and his blessings continue. Hashem blesses us through the Moshe Rabbeinu, through the Moses generation, and we should, as we approach the, the day of the redemption, the previous Rebbe, we're coming from Gimel Tammuz, the day of the previous Rebbe was released from prison, we're approaching the Beis Tammuz, and the previous Rebbe was completely released from exile as well. It's a great time to ask for a blessing for good things, and the main blessing we need is the real redemption, not just the redemption of Beis Tammuz, but the redemption from Golos, the true, complete redemption from all disturbances and, and with the coming of Mashiach Karamamash. Any questions? Comments? Good luck, David. Good luck, Nachamandel. Good luck, Rabbeinu. Good luck, Yudah.